everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I'm speaking with Charles Love. Charles is a co-host on the Cut the, Bud po Cut the Bull podcast, and he also has the Charles Love show. Um, it's a radio show, and I am have him on to speak about a recent article he had in Newsweek about people on the left or liberals, whatever you want to say, throwing conservatives under the bus, which is something I've been kind of noticing for the last few years myself. Hey, Charles, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, like I said, I wanted to start with that article of yours. So I'd been saying this for a little bit. It was, and then, you know, I think it was last year, Zach Goldberg's uh, PhD thesis. He he pushed, published an article off of that in a tablet, basically tracking left-wing media and how they use terms like racism and stuff. But like one of the things like related with your article that I've noticed is anytime they want to dismiss something, that's like, oh, that's right-wing. And especially in Canada, that's all Justin Trudeau has to say. It's like, oh, well, that's just a right-wing talking point, or that's, you know, American politics, or you're, you know, you're following Trump. And it's basically, as far as I can tell, people just clap along like train seals because they've been so conditioned to think that's evil. Yeah, I, I think that um, it's kind of to be expected by what, you know, I draw a line between the left and liberals. So I think it's kind of to be expected from the left. They're dishonest they're a little more angry and they have an agenda right my problem and the reason i wrote the article is i'm finding more and more liberals doing it so you have people who may so so i thought it was interesting to point out the problems with that but but kind of analyze it a bit like why they do it because it seems these are people different from the left these are people who may be politically liberal but they're agreeing with the right on a certain subject right so they're not buying in, into the um, racism in schools, whatever you want to call it. You know, that evil three-letter, you know, thing starting with a C, I don't want to say, because they say that's not what it means. But, you know, whatever you want to call it, right, they have a problem with racism in education. They have a problem with saying all whites are X, they, they, which makes sense. But they're af either afraid, uh, dislike the right so much they don't, uh, that they want to be remain separate from them worried about being canceled, or they want to take the intellectual higher ground. They want to still seem that I'm morally superior for whatever reason. Or they have a little piece of the left in them. But for whatever reason, they're agreeing with the right on this one issue. But they cannot just say, I don't like racism, and then stand up and defend that. They have to say, and look, I'm not even a crazy right-wing nut job, right? They have to throw that little thing out there. They have to say, like, I don't know if I put it in a piece, but there's an example I use where they'll say something like, um, I think I'm talking about transgender. So you're talking about whatever your views on transgender, most people, normative, center-right, right, center, and even liberals, except for the left, say, whatever you think, I'm okay with them doing it, you know, but I don't really think we should introduce this to five or six-year-olds, right? But in order to say that, if they were writing a piece, if they were doing a debate, they would say, you know... I don't think transgenderism is a proper thing to be teaching five-year-olds. And, you know, I'm not some crazy evangelical. You know, they got, but no one even brought up the evangelical. Why are you bringing it up? It's almost like they have to make it really clear that I'm not, you know, one of them. I'm saying this, but I'm one of you. And so that's what I was saying in the article, saying that, you know, I kind of un understand why you're doing it, but I don't really think it's a net gain. There are pluses to it. You know, I think the argument is more people on the left will listen to me if they know I'm not a Trumpian, but there are a lot of negatives to it. And I think the negatives outweigh the positives. Yeah, I mean, okay, <clears throat> like on the negative side, you know, 
like, okay, le- right, left, conservative, liberal. Um, I think that's part of the issue is the terms don't mean much, but I mean, we don't have anything else really to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So like someone who is a liberal, like you know, classically liberal and they said, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, let's take Trump. And when he uh, did that strike against Syria, like it was Syria or Libya right at the start of his uh, presidency. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh no, okay. I hate Trump, but that was a good thing. Or, you know, Trump made the right decision, even though I hate him. Now I'm not trying to make one thing. I, you know, I was not a Trump supporter. I wasn't a Hillary supporter. You know, like in 2016 and in 2020, anyone who asked, I said, vote down ticket. It said neither that like your vote, neither of those people deserve your vote in either of those elections. That was my view on the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't have to like, I don't care about saying that. Like, I know I'm just saying this, like, but I'm just like, I'm trying to like, I would say it's right. Okay. Trump did a good thing. And I didn't have to say, Oh, because I'm, you know, but I'm not right wing. Like I didn't, I didn't feel the need to say that. And I think it was you know, because I said like, both of these people are horrible. Like, the Trump thing again. They they took like when the when the whole Me Too thing happened, and you know you had the pussy hats and all that garbage and blah blah blah. And they're like, how can you defend Trump? But these are people who voted for Hillary, and it's like, well, you know, you took money from Epstein, uh, sorry Weinstein, a uh, Weinstein. You know, you took like how many? What three million dollars? Right. Like, you know, so how is Hillary any better? Like, uh, how about defending her husband? You don't have to go that far. What did she say about the people who accuse him? Believe all women. But those women accuse him. And, and she called them um, like narcissists and crazy people. <laughs> so, I mean, you can stop. You could go there. Not even the money. You, we, we are arguing that anybody who spoke like Trump, you know, it's on tape. So we can't deny that he said it. But he said it 10 years ago, right? Or whatever, how many years ago it was. It was like, but it doesn't matter. But then they say, well, what about Hillary and, and her uh, attacks on other women? And things like that? It doesn't matter. I'm like, well, which is it? You know, so it, it doesn't really matter. It, 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 you're doing this to advance a political agenda, which is cool. If you're being political, if we're having a political debate, all bets are off. I'm okay with you doing everything. Just know that you're making a political argument. When you say, you know, I heard someone, uh, there was a woman who wrote an article saying that I'm a rape victim. And if my rapist was, was running against Trump, I would vote for the rapist. Or no, I think she said, if Biden raped me, I would still vote for Biden. It's the right thing to do for the country. Who cares? That's a political statement. I don't care. She's saying my politics are so opposite Trump. I need him out. Cool. I'm not saying you're wrong for saying that. You know, when I talked about the both sides in the, in the article, I made it clear whenever I talk about it. that When I say I don't like when people say both sides, in a political debate, it's two main parties. You have to say both sides. So if you say, I'm a Democrat, and we want to do this, and I don't like their side, I'm okay with that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like you said, if you wanted to say, I like Trump's decision, be man enough to say, I like Trump's decision on the Syrian thing, and then explain why. This is why I think it was the right thing to do, because he could have done this. He could have done this. Obama did this. There's, you know, that's history. You, you explain it based on history and facts. You don't say... But I hate Trump and I wish he was dead because that has nothing. One, it, it weakens your argument. You, you're basically saying that I'm not making this argument from a logical premise, right? Even though it may be, because if you were making it from a logical premise, then you would just argue your point and win on the merits of your point, for one. Number two, that's a real specific example. But if we go into these deep 
complex cultural examples. It's, it's an uphill bike. People are being canceled for talking back against this stuff, even liberals, right? So it's a hard thing to do. So I commend you if you're a liberal, you come out against your own political side and say, I got to put my foot down here. This all white people are racist stuff. Or this, you know, whatever you want to call it stuff is bad. That's commendable. But if you're going to take that step, you're going to be attacked. We see it. We see liberals out there who get attacked, right? You know, I see people attacking Colin Wright, you know, um, Sasha White got get, get, get uh, canceled. People on the left would get attacked if the woman that, that, that was going to be the editor of uh, Teen Magazine had to, Teen Vogue had to step down, all this kind of stuff. So it happens. So you need all the allies you can, 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 can muster. And what happens is when you say, use those examples, you turn up the other people who agree with you, right? So if you say that calling all whites or races are bad, but then you say, but that's not to say that Trump and Tucker Carlson and the people on the right aren't racist. I'm just saying, don't call us all racist. You instantly lose all your allies on the right. And since most of the people in the center are afraid to talk, that's where your allies are. The left, the left, they're the ones pushing it. The center's afraid to talk. The only other people out here besides you saying that this is bad, morally bad, politically bad, culturally bad, are the people on the right. And you're, you're, you're basically crapping on them every time you say they're right. They're right, but, right? They're right, but they're immoral, right? So I don't see how you think that you are being a better person by putting people down. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, okay, like when you're talking about the argument, and that's another thing. So go back, going back to the start of COVID, and I don't know if you can remember, like around that time, Tucker Carlson was probably one of the best journalists covering COVID at the very start. So if you go back last February, last March, and look at Tucker's coverage, you know, but again, it was this bipartisan thing. Like, I don't want to be associated with the right. I know the like the whole media thing, there's like, I mean, it's a whole other issue with like what's going on in media, but because you had Pelosi and, uh, you know, um, de Blasio saying, come down to Chinatown, you know, like in San Francisco and in New York and things like that. So they were, so that wasn't the correct narrative. So when Tucker was saying, okay, this thing's dangerous, this thing's coming, we should do this and this. And he was critical of Trump to a certain extent, but then the partisanship happened and then it, it flip-flopped, right? So when the Democrats decided that, oh no, we need you know, sterner measures, blah, 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 blah. And Trump was saying, no, we don't that's when it kind of flip-flopped. But if credit had been given to Tucker, maybe he would have been less partisan even after that little flip happened. I don't know. Like that That's where you kind of lose an argument. Like you said, in losing someone on the other side, that might be able to help you because, again, like you said, you can go back and look at what Tucker was talking about at the start. And I'm, you know, this is, I don't trust any news organization. I don't care which one it is. I'll take a, like story by story or reporter by reporter. And that's kind of how I judge it. Like, I don't care about, you know, there's good stuff comes out of Fox. There's, you know, decent articles in the New York Times. But overall, I think they're both untrustworthy. Right. Well, but see, Tucker's an interesting case because I think uh, part of it's just, you know, he had the highest ratings and you go after the guy on top. But the funny thing with me on Tucker is watching the way the left attacked him so much and how they hate him. It's, it's, it's funny. So think back. The way they talk about him 
is really similar to the way they talked about Bill O'Reilly when he was on top. Same network, same time zone. Interesting, right? Same time slot. Here's the problem. They have two completely different approaches to delivering the news. Even if they have the same view of the topic. O'Reilly had been a journalist for a really long time, you know, current affair, all the other stuff. And he's, you know, kind of the braggadocious, kind of smartest guy in the room. I was a history teacher in your face kind of guy. Like him or not, I'm just, you know, telling it like it is. So when he tells the news, he's like, I'm going to tell you what this is because I'm smart. I'm going to tell you how things are, right? And you need to listen to me because I'm smart. All right? Like it or not, you know, even if you're a fan, that's you got to admit that's the way he delivered it. Tucker asked questions. Right. So Tucker's framework is generally what are they all doing this? Are they not? I don't really know. I'm not saying I know. I'm just asking. That's, the, that's his approach. Like it or not, that you can't deny me that that's his approach. So I found it interesting that they use the same argument to him. So he's a racist, but he never says anything racist. He asks questions. So he's like, are blacks more likely to do that? I don't know. Are they? What does the number say? How is that racist? He asked the question, right? Or do, you know, first they said that COVID is killing everybody, but do the numbers say they're killing everybody? Or should we do this? So he's asking questions. So now asking questions is racist or anti-American or populist or whatever they want to call him. When the man is just that, and I don't agree with him all the time, but I don't think he really puts his opinion out there as much as, you know, Don Lemon or Sean Hannity. They all have a different approach. He's pretty much just like, I'm going to ask these questions. I see a problem here and he'll bring guests on and ask them questions. So are you sure that that's the case or is it something else? I don't understand why the argument against Tucker is he's the most racist guy. He's racist tropes all the time. And I don't really watch TV at all. And I don't watch Fox or CNN that much. If I do, I've seen a couple of episodes of Tucker. And every time I see him, that's the way I see his interviews. W what do you think about that? Do you think that that's the, his approach to these interviews? And if so, why is everything he said labeled racist? Yeah, okay. The whole Tucker, again, I'm the same boat. I don't watch a lot of TV. I think the right. only TV I really watch, I mean, I watch sports. So mainly hockey and football. And like, I'm a geek, so I watch Jeopardy. And that's about it. You know, and anything I've seen on Tucker or any, like any, I'll watch clips on, you know, like people put up on Twitter or something like that. So it's, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he does, but I find that a little, okay. I find that kind of stuff a little disingenuous. Like I'm just asking questions, you know, like, I mean, you can do very leading questions. You can, you know, it's like, I, like, I really don't like, okay. That, it's just a point of style at this point, right? It's, I'm not saying he's racist. I'm not saying whatever, but I just, I find that disingenuous. Like there's one thing to be curious and there's one thing to actually want to learn but at one point or other i mean it's the news like i i would love to have a news service that was like literally just the facts and i mean if those you days know, are gone but i mean but even if it's like okay let's say it's something in print and they're just like okay this is what's reported and if there's a change later you can link from like the top of it to the like where the change was it's like first they say okay blah blah blah, blah shooting downtown five reported dead and then later on it comes out it was only three like you can where it's been adjusted to three you can link the top thing to the bottom where people can just see it's it's you're only getting information like leave all this little punditry out of it because i think that's part of the problem we, you're not really getting facts you're getting you're getting facts based off a narrative instead of a narrative based off facts mm -hmm. and that's i mean i think that's part of the huge problem with this stuff is you do have that 
well, I'm not left wing or I'm not right wing. And then you do have some of that on the right, like from like some quarters of it where you say, well, you know, I, whatever, let's just say they agree with abortion, but, oh, but I'm not a left wing person. Right. Like that, like you do have some of that on the right as well. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, because human nature is human nature. So I'm not saying they're the only ones that do it, but they're the people who control that. Like I, like I was saying um, to somebody uh, that, um, oh, I need to tweet this out. I like this. I was going to say that you keep saying both sides do this, both sides with the left and right, which is true. I never defended, you know, any political side. However, right now, the left are the only ones with the pitchforks and the torches. So, you know, if they're controlling the narrative and they're the ones that have the power, it doesn't matter if the other guy goes, because very, I'm not saying never, but in the aggregate, very few people are going to be going to be canceled because, you know, some right-wing radio host or some uh, somebody in a right-wing publication wrote an article saying that this liberal did whatever. Like, Cory Bush is never going to be canceled for saying, I don't care that I spent $70,000 in six months on security, and if I spend another $10, it's worth it because you need my voice, right? There's nothing that anybody right can make fun of these people and write articles and do whatever they want. They ain't getting canceled, right? So it's not the same level of power, so you can't say it's the same effect, even though they're doing the same thing. You know, I agree with that. Like that's the, that's why I said it's a, but even on the right, I think it's a small faction that there's like, it's, it's some of it's there, but I think it's the media that's kind of media is a big driver of this. I know, like, you know, people, like, I mean, I know a lot of people put it on social media, but I mean, I'm not taking away anything away from social media, but the ideas on social media have to come from somewhere. Social media is just the, the tool that's used to disseminate it. Right. So like, I, I try to take issue with the ideas coming from, but the right left thing, again, like this, like I look back and I'm because I look back at the stuff and I'm like right now, like especially in the, after the last U S election, I got up in Canada. So this is kind of peripherally affecting me because all this stuff is filtering up to me and we've got like a woke prime minister and all kinds of shit coming up here. And it's, you know, thanks to like all the garbage coming out of your universities. Um, but, right. um, but like, after the okay, the 2016 election, you had all kinds of people like you know. I'm just gonna. I'm not. It's not to pick on him, but not that he'd even hear this. But I'm gonna use Sam Harris as kind of like okay, the example of this. You know, he, he said, "Well, Trump got elected because you know partially got elected because of the excesses of the left, and people got pissed off at all that, and you know, basket of deplorables and all that garbage." But pretty much right after the inauguration, or maybe with the first women's march, I don't know, but right around that time it then switched like they, they forgot about all that and it was all Trump all the time. And if you had admitted that, okay, you know what? The excesses on the left helped Trump get elected. I don't like Trump. Wouldn't it be worth your while to go and fix the problem on your side? Because I mean, all they did was let all that stuff consolidate power before it was, you know, it was getting out of the universities. It was in the press but it hadn't become ubiquitous in HRs. It hadn't, you know, it hadn't gone down through K through 12. It was in some schools, but now it's like, like I said, I mean, it was in the U S federal government when Trump was in power. Like it, it was, they were teaching that at the treasury department. Like they were at, that's what the diversity trainings were. So it's like, I'm really pissed off about that. I'm like, you guys dropped the ball. You guys. And now it's like, they were like, Oh, well vote for Biden because it'll be easy to get this stuff out. I'm like, it's taken over every institution. 
you know, and I wasn't advocating voting for Trump, but I'm like, it's taken over every institution. Yeah. The, the, the mistake is when you make it political, again, I go back to that. This is a cultural issue and that politics has a part to play is actually, is actually true. But trying to make all your decisions politically on a cultural problem is, um, is what, how you end up here. So you make a great point there. What I found was people hated Trump so much it's almost like the, the you got the liberals, right? The sensible liberals in a room, whether you agree with them or not, you know, they, they think logically, they have their views. They have liberal views you may not agree with, but they can clearly articulate them. They have some things they understand with you, but they hate Trump. So the left comes along and the left is a rabbit dog, attack dog. They don't like it. They think they're crazy, but they hate Trump so much. They're like, hey, why don't we just let this dog off the leash? And then they realize they can't control it after. So now they can't, they can't control it. It's, it's, it's in their house and it's knocking everything off the counter and it's breaking stuff. And they're like, we don't know what to do. And that's kind of what happened. And like you say, the weird reaction to it was they're like, oh, we saw this coming down, got, coming down the pike. And they're just like, let's just let it keep happening. And now they can't control it and they don't know what to do. So they know it's a problem, but they don't know what to do with it. So no one ever sat around and said, well, if we, even if we're successful, we get rid of Trump. What happens if we get rid of Trump? And we can't control this. And now, you know, everything is just, it's a free-for-all and you can do everything. And, and one, one example of that is you have people, people I consider really strong voices and intelligent liberals who are writing against this stuff. But so Trump was evil. Trump was so bad he had to go. He's gone. They are still to this day writing mm -hmm. about Trump. So they write these articles about stuff and it was like, you know, but Trump, you know, um, you know, you mentioned Sam Harris, and, and I, yeah, again, don't like to call people out, but like you say, who's going to hear this? It's just being young. But I mentioned one example in the article because I don't know if you read Persuasion, but every article I read there is really good, right? They really kind of got their finger on what the problem is, but they just can't stop. They can't. It's just like a physical tick. They cannot stop themselves. And, you know, the the, the head of the uh, the group, Yasha Monk, is like, He's writing about something. I'm like, this makes a lot of sense. Man, people should listen to this. And that's why I talk about him so much. You got to read this. But then it would be like, but don't get me wrong, Trump. Or, you know, he'll play an interview with somebody. He was like, well, what do you think Trump had to do with that? Or I'm like, dude, would you just stop talking about <laughs> Trump? I mean, can, can you write one article and not use that five-letter word? But he can't. He, he literally can't do it. And then the worst, the one that I used in the, in the article where it says that he actually said, made it clear. When you talk about both sides, this is my favorite example. Say, let, let's be clear. I am not saying that both sides are morally equivalent. And that's why I openly advocated for Biden, because he's openly saying the right of the left is morally superior to the right. He wrote that in print while attacking the left, saying we need to do something about that. But don't get it twisted. Those right wing people are evil. But, you know, hey, they're not wrong about everything just because they're evil. Yeah, so we should listen to them, even though they're evil. But, but by the way, I said that he, No, but that's... I, 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 Trump. Yeah, but that's Trump. just it. Okay, I see, again, I see this the same garbage, okay? Like, um, you know, when I, when I spoke to you on, on uh, the Cut the Bull, like, you know, it was, it was comparing to Islam. And this is one thing I see the same thing with. And a lot of, again, I'll, you know, pick on Sam for a second, but, you know, he would say, well, you're leaving the conversation wide open for... The Robert Spencers of the world. So, not Richard Spencer, the alt right guy, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, 
Robert doesn't actually lie about Islam, but he he brought into more of the general vernacular this term takia, which takia is like I hadn't heard about it until 2015. It's it was mainly a Shia thing where Shias would go into Sunni areas and they were allowed to lie about their faith, like lie in the sense that they can say, I'm Sunni, not Shia. Now, it's not very well known. As far as I can tell, it wasn't very well known by Sunnis anyways. And it was, uh, like I said, it was mainly a Shia thing. But, you know, he would attack someone like Majid Nawaz saying, oh, that's Takiya, he's a you know, stealth jihadi, blah, 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 blah. So he brought that term into usage. So the same thing that happened when you let the conversation around Islam go wrong. But now it's like, you know, and someone like Ayan Hirsi Ali wouldn't get invited to CNN, but she'd get invited to Fox. And it's like, oh, she's right wing and she's only going on right wing, but no one is inviting her. It's just- I'm going yeah, where they can invite the you, same exactly. Thing here. Like, if you don't like the discourse, now it's become, I don't like how, like there was a cheat sheet that, Phil Bogosian, or sorry, Peter Bogosian, uh, James. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Like, there's a big argument about it. Well, I don't like the way it's written, and it's like okay, but it's the same same bloody conversations you had around Islam. You're having around this, where if you don't like how the conversation's going, change it. Like I I told people who were complaining about it, I'm like, put out your own cheat sheet. Then get out your. You know, if you don't like the way they're talking about it, then you take over the conversation. But they don't want to. It's a lot easier to bitch about how the conversation's gone bad. And that's where I see this stuff at right now, even. And it's like, you, you did that for four years. Now you're making it even worse. It, it, it drives me insane. You also make an important point about who invites you. So I get dragged into these conversations and I kind of hate it because uh, if you listen to my, I mean, Cut the Bull is a little bit different, right? Because it's three of us. We bring three different personalities. It's a little more raw and real. But if you come on my show, I bring guests on and we talk about topics. And so what do we do? And I'm like the guy who just asked. I mean, I know you say it's disingenuous, <laughs> but no, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. I'm just like, so what do we do in that case? Uh, in your book, you say this. And I let the, the guest kind of got the conversation. But I mentioned that because when I'm invited on places, it's always, you know, the right wing guy. Let's talk about the right wing guy. And then they get all disappointed because I don't debate politics and I don't care about politics. I truly believe that my argument is a cultural argument, but I've never been on CNN. I've been on Fox several times. I've been on, you know, the first and, and 560 on all pretty much every show on 560, but I never been on that. You know, Rush read my article, but I wasn't on there on, on the left. But I don't talk about political issues, right? I'm talking about how do we fix schools? What healthcare should be? What do we do about climate change? I don't say climate change is fake or We'll be dead in 12 years. I don't make it say my opinion. I just say, well, what do we do? So, but so why isn't that discourse uh, open? Why isn't someone like me invited on more, you know, into liberal conversations? It's because my show was on AM 560, which is the answer, which is owned by Salem, which is right wing, or because I identify as a conservative. Like you say, those labels are terrible, but you know, those are the labels you have. Because the other piece of the article, lastly, to my problem with both sides was one that the sides are equal. They don't fight the same way. So like I said, only one of them has the pitchforks and the, and the torches. They don't say things the same way. But then my last piece is that they're not only two sides. So when you say both sides, you are eliminating certain people. So like I, I am conservative on a lot of issues, but I'm not a, I'm not a registered Republican. I don't defend it to you. But when, when, when Monk writes an article 
and says, you know, I agree that calling every person a uh, white person is racist is bad, but you know, those crazy right wingers are too 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 uh, loyal to Trump. Well, you're lumping me in, and I'm not loyal to Trump because you're saying all of them, right? So. That's the last problem of the both sides thing is because they're really four to five sides. So when you say both sides, so if I say, well, the liberals, that's a side, right? But I don't think, you know, he's being guided by the those with Biden. But, you know, take your average prominent liberal politician. I don't think they're the same as AOC. And I really don't even think AOC as far as, is as far left as Antifa. But we just say they're all the same. So I'm supposed to believe that the crazies at CHOP, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, and, and, and Joe Manchin are all the same. They're all Democrats, but they don't all, all think the same way. Libertarians don't agree with conservatives on a lot of issues, but you just say there's two sides. They're not two sides. So when you say both sides, you're lumping people into groups that they don't associate yeah, with. Yeah, and that's like, the, I think that goes back to the label thing. Because I, I started joking around when I came back from overseas because I was looking around like, I mean, you know, if you asked, you know, if you asked the, everyone in America what, their definition of left and right or conservative and liberal was you'd get like 330 different 330 million different answers. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I said, yeah, I'm just going to base it on the values. And I'm like, I like enlightenment values. That's what I support. You know, I started jokingly calling myself an enlightenmentarian. And I said, you know what? Just wherever that fits in your little pea brain, you know, fit me into wherever you want to put me, but this is what I support. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a hell of a lot better and saying I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, because yeah, like you know, there's a, there's a, even between like AOC, well, AOC and Biden. There's I don't think Biden has as far left views as AOC does, but they're both Democrats. Mm -hmm. You know, it it, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it. What about the classical liberal piece? What about uh, most of the classical liberals, especially if they're older, are you know used to associate the Republican Party until yeah. Trump came along? So they're in the Republican Party, but because they, they think the, the right the left went too far left, but they hate Trump. So you're lumping them yep. in with Trump. So the Lincoln Project is 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 our Trumpian. They literally started a pro project that's anti-Trump, but in your two both sides argument, they're Trumpians. Yeah, and that's I mean it's again it just you 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 don't get it you don't get a clearer picture of what's going on. And it's like you said, okay, like you try to talk about solutions, you know, the whole school thing. Um, the issue with the school thing is kids can't read and write, but now we're talking about whether it's CRT or not. Right. And like this stuff. I, okay. I, I hate the racism part of it. Like I despise critical race theory. I think there's a couple little nuggets here and there that might not be bad. But the way it's applied is just awful. But my biggest issue with all of this stuff is you don't talk about what the actual problem is. Like the actual problem in education is kids can't read and write, you know? Right. They don't offer solutions. And that's what I say. I told somebody, I said, so let me get this straight. Because that's why I would love to talk to you because I don't, I don't debate. I don't have arguments. I don't say, see, I don't even mention when they say CRT and I say, well, what do you think about it? I'm saying, look, let me make this clear. Teach whatever you want. But I got a simple question. If in Chicago, you know, 30% of the, of the kids drop out and then of the 60 plus percent that graduate, you know, 30% of them can't read and they're just being passed through. How is teaching them more about Harriet Tubman going to help them? You are failing them by focusing on this. So, you know, you want to sit around and argue about how accurate it is? 
like you said, they don't know how to read and write. Why don't you yeah. teach them that? I mean, and also like, yo, if you want to teach them candy, if they can't read or write, how the hell are they supposed to read anti-racist baby? You know, like, it's just, right. Right. it was, it was the, okay, there was, I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he wrote, I think he wrote this thing called the, 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 the anarchist handbook. And I'm not talking about the one that Malice just, did. this was back in like the early 1900s. And one of the things he wrote mm -hmm. in it, he's like, study chemistry, study biology, study all this stuff. You study it. So if your comrades get injured, like the guy was out of the, uh, out of Russia and he was like, if your comrades get injured, you can heal them. If they get, you know, if they're sick, you know how to fix them. You know, like, you know what medications to give them. It was like, his thing was, if you're going to be an activist, you're going to be any of these things study first and then go use that to help your activism. Like now it's, you're learning to be an activist instead of getting educated and then using your education to form your activism. You know, it's, but like, it's, yeah. That's funny. Sorry. Yeah, that's funny. You said you mentioned a guy who wrote that book. You said he must have been Russian because you said comrade. I was like, he had to be the Russian or Portlandian. Yeah. No, but it, it's funny you mentioned that though, because so I'm working, uh, I'm the executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence, which focuses on actually teaching people STEM and critical thinking skills and things that matter. And we are working with the Coolidge Foundation on a citizenship challenge because we think they don't understand civics the next generation. They don't teach it as much in school. You know, it used to be like government and civics and it used to be uh, history, partially American history. Now they just have social studies where they teach it all and they focus more on the history than that. Now with this coming in, we want to have black history and other history. It all fades to the background. And so we're trying to incentivize kids while they're younger, you know, sixth grade through 10th grade to get them more interested in it, have them know some facts. But the other key piece is we say that to what you just said about the guy who wrote the book. If you were a social justice warrior, if you are an activist and you want to fight against the machine and the man, you kind of need to know what the man's handbook is, which is the Constitution, right? If you're going to say that the laws are unfair, but you don't know the laws, you sound disingenuous because how do you know the laws are unfair when you don't know what the laws are, right? So, so during the Trump era, everybody became uh, these political sciences overnight. And it was interesting to sit back and watch as somebody who studies this stuff about history. People were like, well, he's an um, authoritarian. Why do you say that? Because he's doing this. It's like, well, that's part of the executive branch. You should probably look up you know, civics and find out what this are supposed to do. Or he didn't do anything about this. He should have passed the law with the, but that's what the House is for. And you all control the House. So did you send a bill to his desk? You know, they don't know anything. So, you know, I, I mean, you ask them who that congressman is, they don't know. So it's kind of like what that guy was saying. I'm like, why don't you learn the basics? And if you still want to go out and fight the system, you'll be better equipped to do it. I mean, like the, the education thing, I, I'd spoken to Ian Rowe a little while back and I mentioned this to him. It was just because we, we, the topic of civics came up and it was it was right after the last election, the U.S. election. It was, oh, blah, blah, blah. The, the number of young youth voters that went up increased and there was a lot of like, you know, movements in, in teens as well, like not obviously not voting, but so, you know, it goes to show you that we don't need any more civics being taught. It's like, <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> you know, it's just, They're voting because somebody told them to. It's not like they know it's just, The number of people going voting doesn't, you know, are they informed voters or not? Uh, you know, like it's... Right. They're voting because everybody's scaring yeah. them away from Trump. Yeah. I'm voting to get that guy out. Well, what else is he going to do? I don't know. But I mean, like, again, the, the, this, this, 
like the both sides thing and okay it's, i'm not right wing like with the last election like i was looking at this and i thought to myself if i'd been in a coma and i woke up let's say i'd been in a coma from 2015 and i woke up and after i got over the shock that trump's president you know like let's, let's, that's a weird thing but okay so there's a bad pandemic going around you know you're it's you know very contagious blah 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 they're bringing up to speed and they're like okay for the next election they're suggesting people vote in by mail because standing in line to vote it could be dangerous now that that follows some logical sense now they're like and then you hear oh well trump's saying you voting in by mail is because they're going to cause fraud and you're like well that's a little crazy and then you see these protests and it's like okay you see people getting arrested which i saw in a or getting ticketed in a church parking lot for having a service where everyone sat in their own cars yeah so i mean how is that Mm -hmm. dangerous but you know kamala harris setting up a bail fund for all the protesters in you know in minneapolis now the same people who are telling you that the virus is too dangerous you can't stand in line to vote are telling you that you are also protesting for black lives matter or saying racism is the worst virus in covid now when you mm-hmm. take all that into consideration and you hear Trump saying, they just trying to steal the election from me. Like I said, you'd been in a coma for five years. You don't know what's going on, but as, as illogical as Trump sounds, it's a lot more logical than a racially conscious virus. That's only going to attack certain things. Like, I mean, like, like the trust that was lost in everything. That's why when I see all this stuff going on, they're still doing the audits from the last election, this and that. I'm like, yeah, you have no, no one has any more trust left. And you've done it to yourselves, but this, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not right wing and anything the right wing says is evil. And it's, you scared people off so much that they don't, you know, they just, it's like leper unclean, like get me away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the COVID thing is, is, uh, would, would, would to that guy waking up from his coma would confuse him even more because you, you touched on the thing where they were still saying, go to Chinatown and say, because the, it, it goes back, you can say both sides. We can tie that in. Because the anti-Trump um, sentiment was so strong, we had gotten to a point that anything Trump says do the opposite, right? So, you know, I've been speaking on education a lot. And so when, when he started talking about the schools, I was like, no, because I agree with him. He was right. But I'm like, no, they're going to do the opposite because you said it. Just shut up, please. I'm begging you to shut up because they're going to do the opposite. Now, I'm not saying you're, not, you're, you're wrong, Trump. You're right. But if you say it, if you say don't stab your baby, we will have millions of people stabbing their babies. They're crazy. So I say that because you touched on the pieces of the Chinatown. Uh, uh, but let's do a really quick thing. When they found out about it, nobody, Trump, left, right, nobody did, did things enough, right? From November, December, when you said Tucker was talking about it, everybody blew them up, nobody. When the first person died, Trump was like, whoa, this is coming from Wuhan, this is bad. Close the border, uh-huh. racist, yep. you remember that? Racist. And so to prove that he's racist and go over the top, not only will we be against this ban, we will encourage people to go out. So mm-hmm. the Blasio said, go to the theaters. Nancy Pelosi says stuff. You know, people forget that in Chicago, the NBA All-Star game was there. It was in February. They're like, how the All-Star game, right? So then George Floyd happens. It's May at this point. Everybody in New York is dead on the news. Because I would watch the news and it was just like, they're dying every day in New York and it's spread coming to you and you can't breathe the air. You have to protest. And then the CDC says, no, protest is good for your health. You know, and then chop happens. Nobody said anything, right? And then it, it goes on from there. So protesting is good unless you're white and you're going to your state capital to say, don't make me wear a mask. Then you're, you know, you're a racist Trumpian. But 
So it just continued to happen. So we had areas for whatever reason, because the governor was right wing or because people just protested, but they didn't wear masks. But they weren't dying at a higher rate. But but they're still telling you, remember the services? Remember, you know, cleaning, people were cleaning their groceries and all this other kind of stuff. But then they said, but it doesn't live on surfaces. But then the CDC, you should just stop listening to Trump and listen to the CDC. Or the CDC says, whatever you do, for the love of God, don't put on a mask. Then y'all know you need to put on a mask. So, of course, this guy in the coma will be I'm confused. Am I wearing a mask? Am I not wearing a mask? If I'm in Florida, I can go to a restaurant. But if I'm here, I can't go to a restaurant. If I want to protest, I'm going to die unless I'm black. Or if I'm protesting for a black person, then I'm not going to die. And it's airborne unless I'm, if I'm riding a, a, what do you call it, a rental bike down the street by myself. If I'm in New York, I should wear a mask. But if I'm in Florida, I can go in the restaurant and eat. And here's another thing few people talked about. A lot of upscale restaurateurs who own restaurants in New York, when they shut down, this is fascinating. Go look it up. You know, Lay Bernard Dan did it, all the big tops. They went and opened restaurants in Florida <laughs> because they were losing money. So they opened. Hear me out, people. Let me say this slowly. Liberal people who were wealthy, who owned upscale restaurants in New York, when COVID closed the restaurants, because we're all in this together. They closed the restaurants because it was the right, safe thing to do, and they didn't want to hurt people. Then they went to Florida, and they opened restaurants during COVID. And seen. Yeah. Okay, but a lot of this is so, so much theater. Like, okay, we just opened up in Quebec. Okay, we were on, on curfew from middle of January to about middle of May. So from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., we weren't allowed outside our homes, unless you went in your backyard or something, right? You weren't allowed off. Did people get COVID? Oh, it was to, oh, to stop rushes at night, whatever. People were still getting COVID. I don't know, but did yeah. people get COVID though? Yeah. They still got it. But they were only out in the daytime. Yeah. How could they get it? COVID okay. is a nightmare. But, now, but now, that the, now that things are opening up, you can go into a restaurant, but you have to wear a mask as soon as you walk in until you sit down. And then you can take your mask off because obviously it doesn't go over, you know, like seated height. Yeah, yeah. No bar tops. But, but as soon as you get up to go to the washroom or something, you got to put your mask on. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's all mask. theater. And people are, I mean, okay, mm-hmm. I want to go out. I want to go to the restaurant. Yeah, fine. I'm going to do these stupid things because I want to, you know, like I'll put up with that. Yeah, I'll put I up with that laugh. little bit of nonsense, but I'm going to laugh at it. I'm going to think it's just absolutely stupid because it is. I mean, if there was sense, like, again, with the masks, at the very start, the only place I'd heard it from, I can't remember who it was, but it was a doctor in Canada who was explaining it. It wasn't our, you know, like the Minister of Health or anything like that. But it was at the very start saying, look, we have a shortage of masks. It's better for health professionals to have them. You know, it's more, if you're symptomatic, then get it. But, like, it's, you know, it would be better... You know, it'd be better if you don't wear the mask right now. We're getting more in a couple of weeks. If you want to get a mask, you should be able to get it. Like that makes logical. So he made it a, a prioritizing because of the yeah. amount of supply, not a it'll make yeah, you sick. But, don't do okay, it. Okay, that's logic people can understand. And then if that guy comes on again in a couple of weeks saying, you know what, our supply has gone back up. If you want to wear a mask, we suggest it. Go get one. Everyone's like, but like first, like no, no, mask. You know, like don't listen to Tucker because masks are going to kill you. And then, you know, two months later, oh, if, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're killing grandma. Like, it's mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. Like, again, I think it's, the, the, like I said, it, this stuff, it takes away from the, the, the right conversation. The right conversation is, okay, there's this nutty pandemic. What should we do? And it was same thing up here. It's, you know, anyone who mentioned, let's close the border to China. Oh, my God, you're racist. Oh, my God, you're using Trump's politics. Oh, my God, it's, you know, right-wing nuts. And it's, it's okay, the right thing, 
By the way, Biden closed the border to China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the right... It's no longer racist. No, no, but it's, the right thing to do was to shut the borders right away. I mean, it, like I know with Canada, the U.S., especially uh, more for us than for you guys, we needed that trade coming up. So, you know, they made that deal that like, you know, shipping and whatever, like transport can come up. But if right at the very start, mm-hmm. you know, when Trump said, okay, no travel from China, if we'd done this, if if Canada and the United States, and if you want to include Mexico as like North America, but you know, I got, I know you got the whole Southern border issue there, but if they said, okay, this is the little bubble and we've shut our borders except between the two countries. Would have been a lot easier to manage from the start, you know, like all the countries they look at, like, oh, let's look at, you know, Singapore and, you know, New Zealand and Australia. What do they do? They shut their borders and said, no one in and no one out, but that wasn't racist. But if Trump does it, it is it's, and again, like this takes away from that conversation. Yeah. Both sides. Both sides. Uh, (laughs) And then then one thing I got to say that's important about COVID with the both sides think that's a problem is the last thing is it made people think mask vaccines, mm -hmm. the approach to COVID, it became political. So now you have people who like, I'm vaccinated or I don't go around people that often. I'm out here by myself. You know, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm alone. I'm going to be on a trail. It's midnight, but I'm going to wear a mask because I wouldn't want anybody to think I'm uh, right yeah. wing, right? And so many people on the right got vaccinated. You, if, people, if you ask the average person today, they really think only Democrats are vaccinated. Like no Republican is vaccinated. It's insane. Yet the, the, the sticky wicked always for America. I love my people. The sticky wicked. That's why I love them so much. Uh, black people, I love them because we don't really conform to anything, right? Because we're, if you be honest, as, a, as an average black person, people are a little bit of everything, right? They're a little bit conservative. They, they tend to go to church more. They're a little socially conservative. They're a little bit fiscally conservative. People don't know that. Even poor people, like, they don't want free stuff or whatever. They want to be able to take advantage of them. Don't go give it everything. They, they're not fans of, Ill, of illegal uh, immigration. They, they're, they're leery of whites. They don't like Republicans, right? So you got all these little, and they're leery of government. So, so you got multiple things at play. So when you paint the narrative as it's a political issue, if all the people on the right are, are not wearing masks and not getting vaccinated, and they're the reasons why it's still spreading, because I see it every day. I'm sure you still see it to this day. It's the right wing. And then I just get it. They get mad because I come and say, how do you explain the blacks? Because we vote 95% for Democrats, and we have the lowest vaccination rate out there. So explain that a little bit of theater. Because black people just don't want to do it. That's the reason why every state is coming up with a black policy. You know, they're creating commercials just for the black community. They're on urban radio talking about getting vaccinated, which is fine to promote it to a targeted group because that's the group that's lacking. But then don't turn around and say only the, the, the redneck, a uh, red trucker hat wears the only people who aren't um, vaccinated when, you know, and I said it before, they don't care. They open about it. No one in my family has been vaccinated. Well, okay. No one in my family has ever voted for a Republican. <laughs> Check out that Ben diet. But okay, like the, the vaccination thing too. I mean, it's the same. Okay, I, okay I'm, I'm diabetic. I have one kidney. So I'm in a higher risk group, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go get it. I go. I understand the concerns like, yes, no, it hasn't. There's been no long-term testing. I know that people, oh, well, you know, when this technology is around, blah, blah, blah. It's, but this, the technology should be around, but this vaccine, we don't have long-term testing. Now, if someone asks me, my opinion is, yeah, I think it's safe. I think you should go get it. That's my opinion. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to, you know, but yeah, the, the, like now it's, I mean, again, the book, the, whatever, the, the one side thing, you know, you have the videos of Harris and Biden and whatever saying, no, no, I wouldn't take Trump's vaccine just before the election. 
same vaccine. <laughs> no, I think they made a new vaccine. They dumped all of that, and this is the third and fourth yeah. vaccine. Those are different. But I mean, that's, right. So that 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 but see that 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 causes part of the hesitancy. They don't realize that. So you said you would take it because it's Trump's uh, vaccine. So that's part of the problem. But then beyond that, you're trying to convince, because now most of the people who ran out to get it got it. The other people who needed a little convincing but got it, got it. So now you're stuck to the people that you really need to convince. And let's look at the way you're convincing them. Now, it used to be an incentive. Well, like you said earlier, people wear the mask because I want to go to the restaurant. So now the, the, the incentive for the vaccine was if you get vaccinated, you can go back to life, you can take your mask off, you can hang out with your people, you can visit grandma. They're like, man, I don't trust this vaccine, but I, want, I do want to see my grandma. Fine, it's just about to put the needle in and then it's announced on the news. Even if you're vaccinated, you must wear a mask, walk around with your papers and never touch anything. Then he's like, boop, 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 boop. don't give it a day. Because once you do this, I'm still in the same place I was before. I'm good. So whatever you think, I'm not saying that the vaccine vaccine isn't um, isn't good. I'm not saying COVID is not a problem. I'm not saying it's all fake. What I am saying is you're trying to convince people to take the vaccine by telling them it won't change their lives. They'll still have to live in the closet, cover their face with uh, with gloves and masks and never leave the house. So of course the people who are already hesitant are going to say, well, why do it? There's no plus yeah. side. I mean, it's like the whole point of the vaccine, like you said, was, okay, we're going to be free. We can go out and do whatever we want. And you know, and it's like, even when I took it, like I said, I took it as, as soon as it was available. And it was like, it, it wasn't even, even at that point when, we were, when it was available for me, there was no talk about opening up. Like there were still, we opened up a little bit earlier than I think that had been planned. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to be free as soon as I take it. It was just, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm high risk. It's available. I'm going to take it. I'm going to, you know, it wasn't so much. I wasn't even thinking about vaccine passports at that point. I was just, now it's like, uh like I don't want that. It's not a nobody's goddamn right. business. Like, like okay, I. But I'm not even talking about the government. I would. I, I, I can't even get into the argument about whether the government should do it yet because they jumped over from not. We're not going to do it at all. You think the next step will be like, well, maybe a government location, whatever. They skip right over that. So now in New York, they're talking about everybody. So I'm like, I'm not giving the bus bus boy at a Applebee's my my vaccination card. Or the clerk at a grocery. You're not talking about the government. You're just talking about mm -hmm. random people who you want to go pick up your delivery. And they're like, "Well, best, I, I ordered a TV at Best Buy. I just want to go pick it up at the at the customer pickup. Well, show me your vaccination card. I'm not showing those businesses. They would do better if they truly. This is what I mean. It's all about logic. If they really wanted people vaccinated, they would do better to just lie. Just tell the people that if you get vaccinated. You can go back to life. And then when you hit your 80% vaccination number you want, then go show me your papers and you still got to wear a mask. Ha ha, I got you. But you're trying to do it while they're in the lobby of the, of the, of the office going to get shot. And then they hear over the loudspeaker, this will change nothing for you. And you think they're still going to get vaccinated. So of course, they're just going to get up and run out of the doctor's office. So that's the part I'm saying makes no sense. I'm just wondering if they actually realize how little trust people have left in anything anymore. You know, I mean, it's, I, I honestly, I don't have trust, much trust in anything right now. And it's, it's, and it's, again, a lot of, oh, you know, Trump made you know, with fake news, whatever he made you afraid of, you know, he, he caused all this distrust. I'm like, no, you did. When, when CNN has that Chiron yeah. saying, oh, mostly peaceful protests and there's like a bonfire and you're like a store burning down in the background. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 That's, 
Oh, yeah. Or when they say every white person is racist. So when they say Trump mm-hmm. said something and you look at the tape and he literally didn't say it. Well, we think that's what he meant by what he said. But that's you're the news. You know, I can say that. You know, I can go on Twitter and say I think Trump is a racist because when he says he doesn't like watermelon, he means black people. I can say that on Twitter. I'm just some random guy. You can't be an anchor man on the news and say when Trump said offered people watermelon, he meant black people. I mean, you can't just, he didn't say that. If the people in the room were black, then he didn't say it to black people. Well, he was saying it to the white people as a joke. You're stretching. Stop. And my argument from the start for toward Trump was, I don't, the reason why, I, this, and I wasn't a fan, but I, I semi-defended him because I'm like, I don't understand because I'm a logical thinker. Why, if he is so blatantly racist, right? Why do you need to make stuff up? Yep. Just use what he's already doing. But every time I turn on the headline, it's like making up stuff. Trump stabbed the black man. And then you go there, it's him hugging somebody, you know, and it's like, well, what are you talking about? Why are you making stuff up? If he's so racist, just put the racist stuff he does up there because it's not racist. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's it's only racist if you look at it under one lens. Right, if you look at it a, from the premise of, I think it's racist, let me look at it from that lens. Oh, yeah, it's clearly racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's you know the, the Robin D'Angelo. It's not whether racism manifested itself. It's how did racism manifest? Because we know it has, right? It's the you know we haven't mentioned that in a while, but you know I'm surprised they don't bring that up again. But it's the whole Charlottesville thing, yeah. right? It's it's you know my thing. I don't watch a lot of TV, and I never I hate politicians. I hate the way they talk. I hated Obama. I hate Trump. But I care about what's going on in history, so I read transcripts. So it's fascinating. When you read the transcript, you get something different because you don't get the flashing, you don't get the nuance, you just get the words. And I'm reading this, I'm like, why are they saying this is racist? Then I watch the video later and I'm like, okay, it's a little different, but it's still. He's like, no, and I'm not talking about, he literally said he's not he talking said. about the people you said he's talking about. Well, he didn't mean it. Now that's different. You're saying he's saying they didn't mean it. That's all right. You're saying he said white supremacists are great and we need more of them. And that's literally not what he said. You're lying and you're a news anchor. Shame on you. But okay, you brought up Charlottesville. Then this is a last thing before I let you go. It's um, I've been worried about an overcorrection. So when I came back from overseas, like my, I just saw like the way the conversation around Islam was going. I saw, you know, for lack of a better term, secular blasphemy laws, and all this stuff. And I'm like, we're gonna have an overcorrection. You know, like even back then, like everything was racist. If you were online enough, everything was racist. And I thought, okay. Trump getting elected, like I said, I mean, for me, it was my, my biggest beef with him was the guy's erratic. I don't know from one minute to the next. Like, I'm not sure he knows from one minute to the next what he's going to do. So that's, that was my biggest beef with him. Like the guy's a little erratic, um, you know, and, but I'm like, maybe that would wake people up. Like, you know, when I heard people saying, oh, the excess is on the left and I thought, okay, good. Maybe they're going to do something about it, but no, it didn't. Then I saw Charlottesville. I'm like, okay, maybe, okay. That's the overcorrection that's going to get people because, you know, you're continuously getting you're you're focusing on a white racial identity in a majority white country with a lot of guns. It's not a good idea. <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's make create let's create the races that don't exist no. by pissing them off and then say, see, that's racist. Yeah, you made them mad. You woke no, the races it's up. A, it's not just that you made them mad. There was a study from the APA that came out last year. It was on little kids. And so it was they it, it had, they, I, can't, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it was from one was from a few years ago and one was from last year. And it was the level of racial identity among, you know, so they had like black, Hispanic, you know, Asian, and then whites. And it was almost at zero for whites because it was okay. I'm Irish, I'm Italian, I'm blah, blah, blah. But in like, let's say the last three or four years, 
that number started rising among white kids. And then I look at something like the Dalton school. I think we talked about it when I was on your show. Like, you know, they, they got the kids to focus on their race and look up, you know, what was bad about their race or what was good about their race. And, you know, they started turning into ethno national racist. Uh, yeah, I know, but okay. Well, what do you expect is going to happen? And again, I'm like, you know, you're in a majority white country with a lot of guns. It's not a good, I, I, I'm not saying everyone. I, I like, I equate this you to needed to be everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I equate it to the madrasas and, you know, in like Pakistan places like that, where only a small minority go out, grow up to join the Taliban, but a large majority think gay should be killed or gay should be put in prison or, you know, apostates should be killed. It's, they're not going to go strap a bomb on themselves and go blow something up, but they backed. Yeah. But they backed those beliefs and that's what you're having here. So, you know, only a small number of them will go set stores on fire or. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, but it's a large number, a larger number of them will kind of say, yeah, well, what do you expect? I'll, I'll donate to their bail fund. Like, you know, you know, it's like, so that overcorrection, that's kind of like, like, you know, I heard Glenn Larry talk about it. I mean, like you're New York. And I think, like you said, I think you said you're from Chicago. Like, do you, worry about something like that or do you see it coming or do you see any like you know like do you do you think it's more or less possible now or well i think i worry about the sentiment i I less worry about this you know incoming race war that people have been saying because we're we're too mixed there's too many mixed race people it's not it's more political than it is uh and cultural than it is race so you can be black and on on the right or center or non-political and white people like you you know and if you're white and you're a political the white liberals are like you know you know what i'm saying it's mixed right so you, you you're a you're a, a kennedy type you have the white right hates you but you have allies on the white sympathetic d'angelo left so how could you split by the skin color how would you know how would you look at me and know whether i'm kennedy or whether i'm thomas soul you can't look at me and tell, right? What team am I on, right? So I, do, I don't worry about it from that standpoint, but I do believe human nature. I focus a lot on human nature. I told you I talk culture, not politics. And that, and you know, that's what leads up to that. And that's what's more important. And the human nature says we're all flawed and we react and we get mad if somebody says something to us and we call you a bad name because you said something about me. So I think if you keep telling white people and starting earlier and earlier, because they're not teaching you know, let me tell you some of those things about Black because as a white person in a white neighborhood, you may not learn this. That's not what they're doing. They're teaching you about all the bad things that happen. So some white people will get really sympathetic and be like, man, I feel sorry about that. And wow, we did some bad things. We need to fix that. That's what they want. They're ignoring the 10 to 15% that's just going to be like, I'm tired of hearing this. Screw you. I'm tired of hearing this. I'm tired of you trying to put me down, right? You know, the Tom McDonald kind of thing when he talks in his rap stuff, right? You're going to get, you know, he's joking about it in a sense, but you're going to get white people that's just, all right, I've had enough of this. I mean, I get white friends who are center left or center right that said, I'm just tired of doing that. And then they start going to identity. They never did it before. I've known them for 15 years. And they'll say subtle things in conversations with me like, yeah, this is getting ridiculous. Like, like, dude, I'm Irish. And my grandparents were poor and they did this, which is true. But why are you mentioning it now? You never mentioned it before. And I've known you for 15, 20 years. It's because that's what this is fostering. If I keep telling you that you have so much privilege, you're going to go back and check. And then what happens when you find out? No, I didn't. You know, my parents did okay. My grandparents were dirt poor. And we came here in, you know, 1937. So why are you saying I owe you? You know, at 1950s. And, that, and that's what you're going to have. You're going to have a bunch of people who are actually going to open the books and learn more about Black history. Good, right? But they're going to also know about learn about other history and say, well, wait a minute. 
well, yeah, it's really bad too. You know, and then, you know, and I'm tired of hearing it and then you're going to get backlash. So maybe not violently, but, you know, you, people are going to get apathetic. That's what I think. Yeah, you're going to get the apathy and you're also, I think you're, you're going to get maybe like just more ghettoization in a way. Like, okay, you know, more of self-segregated neighborhoods, self Oh, I don't, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there because that's a white neighborhood. I know, I know some of that happens now. I mean, it, it like Canada is not as, um, you know, it's, it's larger percentage white than the U S but you know, we still have that. You still have like neighborhoods where yeah, that's, you know, mainly like whatever Asian neighborhood and blah, 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 and you won't have other people moving in. Look, I don't want to, like I said, I want to keep you too, too much longer, but if you want to let no people know where they can get a hold of you or you got any last words, please go ahead. Well, I would, my last word was most important and I really want people to know about is I started the conversation saying that we focus on solutions and I talked a bit about the citizenship challenge. I do want people to sign up and uh, go to CoolidgeFoundation.org and go to the debate tab and you'll see a link to the Coolidge citizenship challenge and you know, it's a, I mean, you make it to the final round, you get a free trip to DC, you get to hang out with me and Emily Schley, New York Times bestselling author, meet some, some people and learn some stuff about DC and win some cash prizes. So we're incentivizing those kids around 12 to 15 to learn about the country. You know, you got to have a carrot and a stick and they can find me easily. Go to thecharleslove.com. They'll find past uh, episodes of the show with some great guests. You'll see who's coming up and uh, the Cut the Bull podcast, you know, easy to find. So check me out. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Charles. It was great talking to you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks. And thanks, everyone, for listening.